0: Uh, I'm glad to be with y'all uh, here today to, to address you uh, as men and as I was thinking about and, and praying about um, what would be something that, that would be uh, impactful to share with you guys, what would be something that would be uh, significant, uh, what would be something that would be profitable uh, for men uh, to hear about um, I read a passage from Second Chronicles and as I read that passage I just thought, man, this is perfect. It's kind of one of those things where the Lord just drops a message into your lap um, and if I gave messages titled I would call this uh, How to Prepare for an Assault. Uh, and I don't know what type of assaults That you face, uh, what type of assaults you encounter in your lives. Um, But one of the things I struggle with, one of the things I deal with is I I struggle with fear. I struggle with uh, discouragement. Um, And and Sean asked for a bio, and I almost put, uh, I've I've been married to my wife Jennifer for eight wonderful years, uh, but then I but no, that's not exactly true. I've been married, married to my wonderful wife, Jennifer, for eight years. But in, in the eight years of marriage, it's like, man, there have been some tough years in there. And we, 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 you know, Sean mentioned we got twins now. But man, there were years where we wanted kids but weren't able to have them. Sean mentioned, I graduated from uh, Moody Bible Institute and, and then Dallas Seminary. Uh, that's eight years combined education in, in theology, in ministry. That's a long time to go to school, y'all, especially if you don't like end up being a doctor or something like that afterwards. Uh, so I, I went through all that schooling, I went through all that work, and then coming... Out of that, I started working in a warehouse down off Airways. I thought, all right, Lord, if this is where you want me, but what was all that Greek and Hebrew for? <laughs> Spanish would have been a lot more useful. You know. And, and, and then you, know, you, you deal with that outside of ministry, and then you get in ministry, and then you think, oh my goodness, why was I trying to get into this? It's discouraging. Beats you down. Uh, you, you you make good friends, and then uh, me as a senior adult pastor, then I have to bury him. By the way, the 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 man who r- really spearheaded this ministry I had to bury him. He's a great friend, great ally, great guy, Larry. I have to make friends with these people. Bury him. Uh, there's these. Things that happen in my life that, that just, uh, and as I go through those, there's often times where I just become discouraged and dismayed. When you're assaulted by life and, and circumstances, when you're facing the disappointments that all of us go through, how, how do you deal with those assaults? And I think uh, this passage in Second Chronicles really answers that question. You'll be reading from Second Chronicles chapter 32. I'm going to go through verses 1 through 8 if you've got a phone or something you want to uh, look it up on. Otherwise, just listen. Uh, I'm sure all of you know what Chronicles uh, thirty, Second uh, Chronicles 32 is all about, right? You, you know, every, uh, Probably reading there this morning. In case you don't know, that's uh, in the middle of a king named Hezekiah's rule. And, and one of the odd things about Hezekiah is you go to the books of Chronicles... Uh, it, and it's sad that this is an odd thing, but he's one of the only godly rulers. After all these people who turn over and over and over again to idolatry, all these people who over and over and over again break the statutes and laws of God, this guy named Hezekiah comes in and he, he begins to restore things. He begins to uh, re- bring worship back into the temple. He begins to consecrate the priests and the Levites. He begins to prepare the people to have a relationship with God. He begins tearing down all the high places where the idols function. And if you read through the book of Chronicles, it's almost like a breath of fresh air. Because as you read through it, it you see failure after failure. After failure of leadership. Chapter 32 comes after he's already instituting all these major reforms and bringing the people back to God. It says this at the beginning of chapter 32, after these acts of faithfulness. Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came down and invaded Judah. And he camped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them for himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come down and intended to fight against Jerusalem, he planned with his officers and his mighty men to stop the water of the springs that were out the, outside the city, and they helped him. A great many people were gather, gathered, and they stopped up all the springs... And the brook that flowed through the land saying, why should the king of Assyria come and find much water? He set to work resolutely and built up all the wall that was broken down and raised towers upon it. And outside it, he built another wall and he strengthened the millow in the city of David. He also made weapons and shields in abundance. And he set combat commanders over the people and gathered them together to him in the square at the gate of the city. And he spoke encouragingly to them, saying, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with him. For there are more with us than with Him. For with Him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people took confidence from the words of Hezekiah, the king of Judah. When I I looked at this passage, what, what stuck out to me was the words of Hezekiah that he gave to encourage the people. He tells them, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed. And as I shared with you all earlier, I'm somebody who who deals with fear and dismay, with fear and discouragement. Those things attack me. Those things assault me. So I, I find it encouraging that Hezekiah has a word for those who are longing not to be afraid and dismayed, but who long to be strong and courageous. Uh, I, I, as I mentioned, I've had some bad times in my life, and I've had enough bad times in my life to kind of notice the bad ways that I deal with bad times. Because we, we, not, we don't just have bad times, that we all, then we also have ways we deal with bad times. And there's sometimes the ways we deal with bad times is in a bad way. I know for me, when when I go through uh, difficult times, uh, there, there's a, a t- kind of two habits that I can tend to do when when the bad times come. Uh, a negative ways I deal with it is number one, I shut down. It's like you know, the difficulties come in my life, and, and I just want to disconnect, uh, not just from the problem, but but from anything, from wife, from my work. I, I just want to separate it from it. Why? Uh, Really, because I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what will happen. I'm afraid that uh, if if I allow myself to feel or or to care too much, I'm going to be let down and I'm going to be hurt because that's the way it looks like things are going. Another thing I I I do is I I tend to focus on circumstances. Now, that's either fixating on the problem or the issue at hand or fixating on anything but the problem or issue at hand, depending what's going on. And when that happens and I'm just focused on my circumstances, I become usually quite discouraged as But One of the things I recognize is that's not who I'm made to be that's not who I want to be. I don't want to be disconnected. I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to be discouraged. I don't want to be distracted when the difficult times of life come, when the forces of life assault me, when the difficult times assault me. That's not who I want to be. That's not a strong way to live. That's not a courageous way to live. By the way, I used to think that was a courageous way to live uh, when I was younger, I thought, you know, if you just shut down and move forward, that's the strong and courageous thing to do. Uh, it's not. That's for people who are too afraid to feel and to face reality. And, and as we look at Hezekiah, this, this bold, this uh, uh, powerful king, one of the things we see is how he deals with the bad times when they come. When it says Sennacherib, king of Assyria, comes to face him and, and to oppose him, uh, I want you to know who the Assyrians are. Uh, the, the Assyrians are a people who rule, who reign, who conquer by terror. I mean, I mean the, these, are, these are the type of people. Uh, I, I think about this sometimes when I look at my kids and I, I think, how could somebody do this? These are the people who take infants and bash their heads against rocks. These are the people who slaughter the women and children. These are these are these are people who make pyramids out of skulls. You know, the, these are some of the things that they do in order to let you to know: don't mess with us. In fact, right after this uh, passage, uh, there, there's going to be all these threats that are thrown out against Jerusalem as they are in- encamped. And basically, one of the things they do is they say, hey, look at all these other people. Look what we did to them. You think you got a shot? You think your best option is to resist us? Look, we'll just, we'll just murder your, your rulers and, and enslave you if you give in. That's your best case scenario. We'll murder, we'll murder a lot of you, but not all of you. And it won't be in as bad a way as before. Like, that, that's who the Assyrians are. And, and they come out, Hezekiah himself says they come out with a horde of people. They, they are, are coming out in full force to destroy. One of the things we, we see with Hezekiah, is he deals with this dangerous, deep, violent threat that's creeping towards his people is that he faces the threat. Doesn't avoid it. Doesn't shut down. Doesn't act like it's there. He faces. And we see he faces it in that he does everything he can to prepare for it. Did you notice that? It it, it says, man, okay... They're coming. We don't want their armies to be able to feed out of the streams and the wells. We're going to clog those up so they'd have nothing to drink. The walls in bad shape. We got to start building it up. We're going to put some towers. We're going to reinforce the wall here. We're going to add some other walls there. You know what? the people. We got to get the people ready. All right, we're going to put commanders of war over people. We're going to start mass producing shields and swords. We're going to get as ready as possible for this wicked Horde that is coming with the intent to destroy it. Secondly, he, not only does he, as he face it, he faces it by preparing for it. And secondly, he faces it by acknowledging it. When he goes to the people, he doesn't say, hey, look, you know, this isn't a big deal. Don't, don't worry about Sennacherib. Don't worry about those people. You know, the walls are pretty big. No, he says, look, the king of Assyria has come out there He's brought a horde of an army with him. They're coming out in full force. He acknowledges the reality of the situation. But in light of the reality of the situation, he acknowledges that the circumstances are not the controlling factor. At least not the earthly circumstances. He said he's got an army, but guess what? He's weaker... Than us, because with him is an arm of flesh. With us, we have Almighty God on our side. As he looks at the threat that is coming towards him, he ultimately recognizes the reality of God's power as the primary controlling influence. He says, what what doesn't really matter is who our enemies are or how much of an army they have. The ultimate reality that matters is who our God is. He emphasizes to them that God is there. Saints, when you go through difficult times, remember that your God is there. When you go through difficult times, I want you to remember not only that God is there, but that God is there for you. When you go through uh, difficult times, I want you to know that God is not only there, God is not only there for you, but God is there for your strength. He tells them, "With With us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. As you read through uh, the re- the rest of the story, I- in the end, it's not the reinforcing of the walls, it's not the clogging of the wells, it's not the shields and swords that they begin mass producing that win the battle. It's their God that wins battle for them. When I say God is is there for your strength, um. I think I, for many years of, of my life, I mistakenly thought that um, my, my, my strength is what I offered God rather than God's strength is what He offers me. That's a, that's a very exhausting way to do life. Even more exhausting way to do ministry, uh, to, to think that the objectives of ministry are, are something you can accomplish in your own power by your own might. And as, as we um, talk about the Lord being there for our strength, one of the things I, I want you to understand is the way in which we find joy, uh, strength is kind of counterintuitive. I, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but there's a little passage in Nehemiah 8.10 that says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And that's kind of interesting because I, I told you one of the things I struggle with is disconnecting and shutting down. Now, th- that's sometimes a, a way to just kind of plow through, but do you know what happens when you disconnect and shut down? you know what happens to your joy? It debilitates your capacity to experience it. Well, could, because to have joy, you've got to risk. You, you've got to hope for something. You've got to Put your faith in something. my 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. Well, if the way we find strength is by first finding joy, then saints, are one of our preoccupations as men, if we want to be strong, is to seek to live a life filled with the joy of the Lord. And it, it, by the way, if you're looking for that idea, you will find it over and over and over again in the scriptures. The author of John says. Uh, as he 's quoting jesus jesus says in john fifteen eleven these things I have spoken to you that your jo- my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full part of the reason Jesus came part of the reason Jesus taught was so that his followers would have joy not only that they would have joy but that they would have full joy in hebrews it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and then sat down at the right hand of God. The reason why Christ went through the cross is because he was focusing on the joy that he had, what got him through the assault, what got him through the difficult times, his joy was rooted and secured. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 tells you what the will of God is for you. You ever wondered that? What's the will of God for my life? What does God want for my life? It's it's in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. You know, rejoice is finding your joy. Rejoice always. Always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Joy gives us strength. Uh, One of the ways I I see this uh, lived out in my own life is um, uh, people ask what having twins is like. I tell them, you know, if, if you've had a child just... Imagine, you know, you are soothing and calming a baby and you're finally able to put it down. Just imagine at that point somebody hands you another crying one. That's what having twins is like. And, and, and as I mentioned, there were uh, several years where we were wanting and longing to have children. We were uh, actually uh, pretty far along in an adoption process when we found out my wife was uh, pregnant with twins. But one of the things I, I go back to is when you're holding the crying, inconsolable, screaming baby, when you have the snot running all over your shoulder, you know when you're just wondering what it's like to sleep through the night. You know When you're going through all of that, one of the things uh, I noticed is there's a, a way in which I can handle that poorly, and there's a way in which I can handle that well. And one of the things that always gives me strength is remembering those times when we didn't have those boys. I thought, for years I wanted this. You were longing for these sleepless nights. You were longing for these sick babies. I remind myself of the joy I have in them. And when I reorient my joy, that gives me strength. That gives me energy to deal with the difficulties that are coming at me. Where your joy is There your strength is going to be. Probably one of the most famous theologians uh, from the American continent was Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards, uh, as he lived, um, actually after revivals, after doing all, all sorts of great things, he was actually kicked out of his church. Uh, he he was he was booted out. Uh, there was a group that was vehemently opposed to him and his ministry, and they were able to uh, sway certain people based on a, a controversy around Edwards uh, to to kick him out of the church. And there was somebody who observed Edwards closely during those years, and he gave this quote that has made a real impact on me. He said, "Edwards received the shock of." Uh, being kicked out of his church. He received the shock unshicken. I never saw the least symptoms of displeasure in his countenance the whole week, but he appeared like a man of God whose happiness was out of the reach of his enemies and whose treasure was not only a future but a present good overbalancing all imaginable ills of life, even to the astonishment of many who could not be at rest without his dismission. Since I don't know about you, but when I hear of a man of God whose happiness is out of the reach of his enemies, that's a life I long for. Edwards had it by placing his joy his faith in his God. The reason why Hezekiah can stare down the armies of the Assyrians and turn to his men and confidently say be strong and courageous is because his faith and his joy is placed in his God. Where's your joy meant? Are, are you are, are you living in a way that you're even capable of having joy? Are you so shut down to life that you don't even allow it? There is joy in Christ. There is fullness in Christ. If you don't know Him, I pray that you would come to know Him. If you don't know the of Christ, keep pursuing Him. Keep looking for it. Keep thanking Him. Not only does God want you to find joy, but He wants you to find it in Himself. Uh, by the way, when when I look back at, at those times where I failed in handling the difficulties God gave me, I, I, I look back at those times and I think, man, I was too focused on the circumstances. Man, I, 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 <laughs> I, I would have handled them a lot better and I'd lot further on down the road if through those difficult times I had rooted my joy in my God rather than my circumstances. If I had placed my faith more in Him than on my earthly circumstances. And by the way, as I went through those difficult times there were people who displayed more faith than me. There was a lady that came up to me on a, a Sunday, and said, I'm praying for you to have children. I said, well, we're in the m- middle of uh, adoption. And she says, well, I'm praying for you to have twins. And I, I said, well, we, you know, when we signed the adoption documents, we put that we were open to adopting twins. And she said, no, I'm praying for you to have them. And I thought in my mind, that's not something nice to say to somebody who's going through infertility. And I wouldn't recommend you do it. But she had a faith that was greater than mine. A couple months later, when I heard an ultrasound text say, not only are you tr- pregnant, but you're pregnant with twins, to my wife, I thought, I need to find that person. And I had forgotten who told me. On the day that we announced publicly that we were having twins, she walked up to me and said, how's my prayer request? I said, now, what were you praying for? He said, I was praying for you to have twins. I said, well, I need to talk to you because you got us into this mess. And you need to pe- pray for us through it. I said, we're, we're having twins. She gave a scream that I think woke up half the nursery in our church. But when I think back to those, those times where I didn't handle things well, I wish I had rerouted my joy. I, I wish I had found it in God. I'd like to end with a quote from Jonathan Edwards talking about how to find true joy in the source of all joys. He says this, The enjoyment of God is the only happiness with which our souls can be satisfied. To go to heaven fully to enjoy God is infinitely better than the most pleasant accommodations here, fathers and mothers, husbands, wives, or children, the company of earthly friends are but shadows, and but God is the substance. These are but scattered beams, but God is the sun. these are but the streams, but God is the ocean. man I hope you will find your joy in God so that your strength can come from Him.